0: All right, hey everybody. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Goulet Cast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about all of the things going on in Goulet Pens and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're gonna be talking about where fountain pens are made, why stub nibs are the way that they are, and our grail pens du jour, <laughs> right? Our, our current grail pens, because let's be real, it changes a lot, and especially if we actually acquire it. Uh, let's start out with some feedback, Drew. What have you been hearing about previous episodes we've done? I heard some things, Brian. I
1: heard some, you heard things. some things.
0: You heard I some heard things. I heard some
1: things. I heard some things since last week. Yeah. <laughs> so we last week spoke about the need for cartridges to be able to be plugged or resealed so you can uh-huh. use them at a later uh-huh. date. And we got some feedback. There are some that are made by smaller um, you know, people. Uh, there are some available in Europe, I believe. Um, but uh, a YouTube commenter, Raven Wind, mm. said that they actually plug full cartridges for use later with snipped off bits of o-ring like an o-ring that's the right diameter to plug a Hmm. cartridge opening they clip it at an angle so it's kind of sharper on one end so it inserts nice nicely and then the diameter is such that the rubber plugs it up nicely that's a super affordable way to uh get it done so i feel like that's a that's a solid idea it might that would take have some to
0: be sh- yeah i would think that would have to be an o-ring that's bigger than yeah. something you would like eyedropper a pen with this would be yeah like no no you'd have to go to a hardware o-ring. store Yeah, it's got to be something thicker maybe something you can get at like the hardware store yeah something absolutely like something
1: you could get at the hardware store so you might need to trial and error it a little bit but i thought that was a really uh good idea for an affordable that's, way to uh, get that done
0: yeah honestly i can say i've never heard that before so good job raven yeah first and- first i've heard of it 12 years And rubber, we
1: know, is like one of the most effective ways to actually seal liquid into a chamber. Like that's the industry standard. So
0: absolutely. If it's good Good enough for an O-ring like inside the pens mechanism, it's good enough to seal a cartridge, I would think. Yeah. 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 Cool. Very good.
1: And Hmm. Marsha on YouTube, more importantly, had to vouch for the sausage on a stick encased (laughs) in pancake so we talked wow. about that last time how there exists a corn a breakfast corn dog essentially where instead of a hot dog wrapped in cornbread it is a sausage link wrapped in pancake batter and wow. coincidentally marcia here had one the morning the pencast went live <laughs> on youtube so
0: she's so a fan she's got personal experience with it wow
1: very personal that day. In fact, I, I believe that at some point, Brian, you're going to need to uh, acquire one of these and have one live on the pen cast because I need to see your reaction to this thing.
0: I'm not opposed to it. I'm not going to, like, Rachel's reaction when you told her about this, she was like, ah, uh, that does not sound so great. No, it did uh, not. Me personally, I'm like, hmm, I would eat that. Is it, it, is it, what does it say
1: about me that now I really want to see Rachel try one?
0: Is that? Oh, you're malicious. It's not going to happen. Rachel does not. Rachel does not do things that you (laughs) that you want her to do if she doesn't want to do them. That's just not. That's not. That's not how she works. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, But me, on the other hand, yeah, you can convince me to pretty much try most anything. Yeah, no, and
1: and I have. We we have a storied history of that.
0: Absolutely. Um, And then one game.
1: one bit of feedback that um, we also got, actually, I didn't. we didn't even get it. I got it at home because I told my wife, Shannon, about the oft-used movie-slash-TV quotes that we talked about last episode. And she was like, "Yep, yeah, we do use all those, but you didn't use the Ghostbuster quote that we always use. And I was like, oh my god, you're right. We always say, whenever one of us does something that the other one is, like, not approving of, we say, what did you do, Ray? And that's because when Ray inadvertently summoned the giant Stay Puff Marshmallow Man to destroy the city, uh, Peter Vankman, when Ray realizes what he did, is like, what did you do, Ray? And it's just this wonderful accusatory phrase that can apply to a number of different situations, including um, Gozer the Destructor taking the form of a giant marshmallow mascot.
0: Nice. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Ghostbusters. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. sorry. Uh... You know, actually it's funny that you brought that up, not specifically Ghostbusters, but the whole movie TV quote thing, because ever since we did the podcast last week, every time I say something that's from a TV or a movie, I'm like, ah, I should have mentioned this one in the podcast. You know, so I'm realizing just how many now I actually quote, but uh, you know, one from 30 Rock that I realized was, uh, it's never too late for now. Um, Definitely say that one quite a bit. And uh, another one from Seinfeld that came up uh, that Rachel and I say all the time was, uh, well, good luck with all that. That was a Jerry Seinfeld thing. I forget the exact context of it. It was was one of those like subtle, deeper things. It wasn't like a whole theme of a show. That one sounds like it
1: has a wide array of applications.
0: Yeah, it's like basically when somebody's going through like a whole bunch of stuff jerry and his ambivalent self is kind of like well good luck with all that and then just kind of like leaves (laughs) so (laughs) whenever rachel or i is dealing with like some deep like technical issue or something at work we're like well good luck with that and then we're like out of there um yeah so that's pretty funny um Got some feedback from uh, an anonymous person on Instagram. Uh, so, said, Sorry, I'm to ruin his pyrotechnic fantasies, but please let Brian know that they stopped making ping pong balls out of celluloid around 10 years ago. Aww. I'm sure you can still probably find plenty made of celluloid, though. I've played table tennis for 20 years, and it caused quite the stir when they changed the material, I can imagine. I think the official reason for the change was to allow for faster global shipping as the new ones can be shipped via air freight, whereas the flammable celluloid ones had to be shipped via boat because of their flammability. Uh, So I thought that was kind of interesting. I did not Uh. realize that they had changed. So I have no idea what celluloid is currently used to manufacture primarily. Nitro celluloid, at least. Yeah, the Um, the fun
1: (laughs) celluloid.
0: Yep, and then Jorge on YouTube uh also related to celluloid said that billiard balls were once made of celluloid and then this kind of gets into the historical context of chemistry which is what we discussed last week uh, billiard balls were one of those things that used to be made out of ivory and uh that obviously was not sustainable or very eco-friendly or very kind to elephants and rhinos uh so when they when billiards started to take off in the mid 1800s around the time of fountain pens and such Um, they were looking for alternate materials. So as plastic started to be developed, uh, they tried it out with celluloid. However, Jorge said that when they struck each other, it wasn't uncommon for the impact to produce a mild explosion. So if you thought that billiards was an exciting game now, just imagine if the balls could randomly explode when they hit each other. So, uh, that's kind of cool. And now I kind of want to go search YouTube for exploding billiard ball videos. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some out there, right? Yeah. I saw the, I
1: saw that comment and I was like, wait, really? So I Googled it real quick and sure enough. Yeah. They said that the sound was akin to a percussion cap or something like that. Like it was a loud, oh,
0: like one of those like snap, snap guns that you get at like the drugstore or something.
1: It was, it was loud enough to startle people. The, the person that was being interviewed said that people would actually draw guns in the. In the um, uh, billiard hall. Oh, in like in like
0: a saloon or something. Yeah, because like... because because they were like
1: you know <laughs> what some... sound like a gunshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was wow. loud enough. It was definitely loud enough to startle people. So, um, but okay. it didn't. I don't think it made the ball explode. It was just like at the point of impact, it would cause a, you know, spark or something. I guess. And I would
0: have to imagine that would like make the ball not. <laughs> roll very smoothly <laughs> like random parts or of it would exploding really
1: smoothly I don't know I don't know yeah. to what degree the explosion happened but uh, uh, I don't I don't wow. think the balls actually exploded it, it was like it like a... <laughs> was like an exterior thing a superficial explosion
0: fair enough fair enough more like a like a striking of a match than like an explosion perhaps yeah
1: yeah 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 Interesting. Like remember, yeah remember those um, balls I don't know if you ever got one of these Brian but whenever I would go to the science museum as a kid like in a field trip or something They would have these like balls you could slam together and it would like make sparks. Did you ever get one of those? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't remember what it's called, but yeah. It was like coated in something like something that would like the friction cause it to. Yeah. Something like that. But But eventually
1: you used them up and all the coating wore off and they wouldn't explode anymore.
0: Yeah. They were kind of smooth, right? But it had like kind of a powdery almost kind of like feel to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It sounds like a great idea for a kid. Yeah. Let's just give kids like, I don't think they make those anymore. I cannot imagine in today's litigious society that they're giving (laughs) like explosive coated balls to children at museums. Yeah, probably not. I might be surprised. I don't know. I don't even know. My kids have never gotten any explosive toys.
1: Yeah, I can't say mine have either. I mean, they don't (laughs) even do cap guns really anymore.
0: Nah, not so much. Yeah. All right, moving on to some new stuff. Uh, New stuff. Yeah, the one thing that I had to share about something that's going to be coming soon Every year, Pilot does a limited edition Vanishing Point. And this year's Vanishing Point has been released. In the information, not the pen itself, uh, the the information about the pen, what it's going to be, has been made public and is going to be called Black Ice. It is an ombre that goes from a blue to a black. Gotta say, looks pretty slick. So if you liked the uh, crimson, if you liked the um, twilight, yeah. Crimson, what was it? Crimson. I want to say Crimson Tide, but that's not There right.
1: was a there was a Tequila Sunrise. Tequila Sunrise.
0: And there was the a Crimson the Crimson one. I can't remember the name. I of don't it. remember what the Crimson one was called. Maybe it's Tequila Sunrise. Gosh, I really should look these up. Anyway, sorry. We have a whole history blog post of the different vanishing points if you want to look them up year by year. This one will get added to it. Um, I don't know exactly how many we're going to get. It's not going to be it's it's a limited global amount, so every year they make the number of pens that represents that year. So there's gonna be 2021 of these pens globally. So we're gonna get some portion of that. As you can imagine, only 2000 pens and change in the whole world. Every retailer is gonna get just a little, little bit of them. So if you really, really want this pen, go and get it. It's medium nib only and uh it's expensive you know it's it's more expensive than a regular vanishing point you're looking at 257 to get one of these pens but they usually sell pretty quickly they have a limited edition box so it's not just your regular vanishing point box it's definitely more of a collectible thing if you really just want to write with a vanishing point just get a regular vanishing point because it's literally just a different color a vanishing point but if you're like me and have kind of inadvertently created a vanishing point collection you kind of are just bound by your own obsessiveness to go and pick it up. So if you're so inclined, we're going to have that. Uh, I don't know exactly when it's going to be coming, Drew. I don't know if you know. I really should have looked on the site. Um, but
1: no, but... Uh, soon-ish. By time, it's by usually time, September. Yeah, by the time this um podcast airs, I will have put it on Instagram.
0: <laughs> there you go. I'm looking at the what we have on our site. It just says coming in September. So that's all we know. That's that's This is around the time when it comes out every year. So... They'll be coming out, but yeah, check it out. Looks pretty slick. Black trim, looks good. Black nib, looks looks nice. It's a bad ombre. Oh yeah. All right, Drew. What about you? What's new?
1: Um, well, we're going to be launching uh, by time this is published. We will have launched the newest private reserve ink and their first limited edition, um, you know, kind of one shot deal ink, which is going to be called private reserve two minutes to midnight blue. And it's in a new box, new bottle shape um, with a very interesting label. It's a completely new design. Um, It is available elsewhere. We're kind of on the tail end of picking it up and uh, actually making it available. But it'll be there. You can buy it. It's a nice dark deep blue. I'll put a picture up here, you know, so you can see that. But that'll be out, and that's exciting. So get it while you can. Yeah.
0: Yeah first uh, limited edition PR that I think it's come out since they kind of rebooted so that's pretty cool
1: yeah you know they have the the you know pen show inks here and there but this one yeah. this one this one is kind of its own thing it, it there's no event that it's kind of you know celebrating it's just a, a limited edition special ink so there you go definitely the first that's, of its kind very cool And then we launched uh, earlier this week, but it'll be a regular edition the Retro 51 Chromatic Rollerball, which is a super cool looking rollerball. Um, I have one here.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's take a look at it. Yeah.
1: So I'll put this, um, you know, I'll put a better image up as well. But. um...
0: Now it's kind of hard to tell. It's kind of hard to tell from like static images on the site. Is there any iridescence to this pen, or is it more just like a, a flat ombre? Kind of coloration,
1: it, the latter. It's more of a flat okay. one, right? It does not. Um, the color variation doesn't change depending okay. on where you have it. It is. Yeah,
0: some we've had that have been like the iridium, like the PVD coated kind of stuff. It's slightly different from that. I imagine this is more like a layered lacquer kind of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, the where it, it is yellow,
1: it shall remain yellow. Where it is purple, it shall remain purple, etc.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Cool.
1: So it's Could not iridescent, on. but I mean, it is. It's iridescence frozen in time. It's not just, it's not, it's it's, mm. it's done iridescing. It has iridesced its it last.
0: Ir, it's iridesced. It's iridesced, yes. <laughs> okay. It's more It's more like just a rainbow ombre than it is like. It's a, a l-
1: rain, rainbow ombre, yes.
0: Right. Wow, that rolls off the tongue. No. Pick up your rainbow ombre-comatic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely wow
0: retro 51 tornado rainbow break chromatic
1: that's what they call it officially Mm. definitely not
0: drew we should be in we should be in marketing oh yeah we would just yes we should absolutely we should be in public positions to talk about and only only with
1: the pens that sell regardless of what ridiculous name we call it (laughs) like the
0: like the rainbow break like the (laughs) there you go Awesome. All right, moving on to Q and A. Q and A. All right. The first
1: question we have is from an email, Brian, and this person. I'm assuming it's a person. We can't really be sure. It's that anonymous. One could surmise it could be a Sasquatch. Anyway please list the country of origin slash manufacturer since many consumers prefer to purchase products based on that knowledge. That's true. A lot of people do want to purchase things from certain countries. Yeah. Why don't we do that, Brian?
0: Uh, We do. We do do that when we can. Um, So, I mean, one thing we do get feedback about sometimes is when we have some facts about pens, people would like to be able to filter by those options. That's not always something that we have the feasibility to do and this is i wanted to take this question because I thought this is a good opportunity to kind of talk about that a little bit and then i kind of did a not a deep dive but like a like a medium dive there's some like words a,
1: there, there are some words here that you wrote down
0: like a picking up a picking up the rings on the bottom of like the five foot section of the pool maybe that's like the dive that i'm talking about um you know you know what i mean have your my kids have done swim lessons this summer so that's that's where i'm coming out with that not like jumping off the diving board into the the 10 foot section but like you know going to the bottom of the pool with the goggles and picking up you know what i
1: think we're good on the
0: intro brian (laughs) okay i do have i teed it up nicely do i need to explain (laughs) some more the metaphor that i'm going with ah okay um so yes two so two different parts of it one of that is um you know if we don't have really solid information to go off of for Pretty much every pen it doesn't really do a ton of good necessarily to have a filter for it on our website. you know, for example this is this is one area where we may know where the pen was made. We may not know we may not be able to find out because it's not made public to us um, and so that might mean that there would be a pretty decent portion of products. That basically have like an unknown or unlisted, you know, kind of tag to them on on the filter when you go to look for them on the site, and that might, you know, ask raise more questions than we have answers to. Um, so, you know, it's it's it definitely plus you know there's there's already a lot of filters on our site, and as nice it as it is to be able to drill down and get pretty much whatever detailed filtering kind of information you want, you know, at some point we gotta. We got to draw the line, um, and if usually we tend to draw the line at places where we already don't have the most solid information. So it's like yeah, there's only some pens we could even include in that filter. Um, so that's that's one you know thing that we discuss. Uh, regularly and and may or may not be an option for us. Plus, I don't know if there's any limitations on our site in terms of number of filters. There's some programming and stuff that gets into that. It increases load times and all that type of stuff. So there's a lot of factors, yeah, blah, blah, un- blah, behind unlike,
1: the curtain stuff. Uh, unlike our podcast, where we very gladly talk about things we don't know about, when it comes to actually operating our website and conducting the business, that's actually a pretty heavy-duty sticking point. You know, we I, yes, That's one of yes. our... Education is one of our core values. And if we don't feel yeah. like we can properly educate behind it or define the why behind any sort of action we generally don't do it because we do feel very very strongly about our commitment to you to be able to educate on our products you know the way we do things you know so yeah, yeah. We, we tend we tend to avoid it if we can't really define it
0: yeah um, so where I went a little a little deeper on this the answering this question was about how do you define where something is actually made right because this is a thing that we're dealing with in today's Kind of global economy. Uh, It's very clear sometimes when something is, you know, 100% made in Florence or 100% made in the USA or whatever. And oftentimes, those manufacturers are very proudly kind of displaying that, marketing it, kind of putting it out there. It becomes a selling point. And then, of course, the natural desire would be, yeah, I would like to know where everything is made and have that kind of be very public, right? Um, But sometimes it's not so crystal clear, especially when there are things that are made in different. Countries, different components made in different countries. Um, a lot of times, there's different brands where certain models of pen will be made in one country, and other models of pen will be made in another country. More often, I won't speak specifically about any one brand because there's a number of brands out there. But oftentimes, you know, if they're in a, you know, particular country where, you know, maybe just. Uh, you know, the hand, there's like a high-end kind of handcrafted element to the brand. They might have it in their kind of native country. And if there's more of an economy model of their line, which may or may not even be fountain pens, it may be they have like ballpoints or other, you know, kind of more, Like art supplies and things like that, they may have those made in a different country, you know, more economic country. It's more of a mass production kind of thing. Uh, And so then it becomes even more confusing to communicate clearly where something is made because you can't basically just go buy a particular brand. You have to almost break it down by model. Um, So that does get interesting. So that's where I dove in a little bit online and researched, like, when do you actually get to call something as made in a certain country? Mm. Um, Now it varies, it got really confusing really fast. And I'm out of my depth because I'm not a manufacturer and I haven't consulted like lawyers on this kind of thing, but I did look at the Federal Trade Commission, um, at least in the USA, the Federal Trade Commission is the governing organization that determines when you can say that something is made in the USA. Right. So that is a kind of a specific thing. Um, there's actually no laws requiring that a manufacturer uh, state that any of US made product is actually made in the USA. So you can't say that it's made in the USA if it's not. But if it is made in the USA, you don't have to say that it is, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. with, the, with the exception of automobiles, textiles, textiles fur, and wool for some reason. Those are required to say it's made in the USA if it is. Um, the whole country of origin thing gets really complex because um, first off, it's not then determined by the Federal Trade Commission. It's actually determined more by the Customs and Border Protection. Um, and that becomes more of a much cloudier thing depending on what country it's coming from and so on. Every country has different rules about when you can say something's made in their country. But I think the general understanding is that it's often determined that when there's a the last substantial transformation, whenever that happens, that's when it's considered made in that country. So let's use a fountain pen as an example. You have the nibs maybe made in one company, or in one country, like Bach and Jovo. They're in Germany. They're one of the more popular nib manufacturers that other companies might use, right? So the nibs are made in Germany. The converters might be made somewhere completely different. The trim might be made somewhere completely different. The resin may come from Italy or somewhere else. You know, when you take all these different components and you put them all together... Well, those are not substantially transformed until you actually like make it into a pen, right? But then it becomes cloudy. So say like the raw components are manufactured, those components are then maybe shipped say to the US and then the pen itself is actually assembled into an actual pen. You could argue like, is that the last substantial transformation? Because you're taking a bunch of parts and then you're turning it into a pen or is it when the parts themselves are actually manufactured? Fountain pens are a really small industry. So quite frankly, I don't think it's like really hot on Customs and Borders and FT, you know, Federal Trade Commission to like really have a lot of rules around fountain pens specifically. So quite frankly, I just don't really know. I don't know when it's determined that the last substantial transformation has been made on a fountain pen. Um so that is a good question and it's something I may kind of just probe some of our manufacturers about even just knowing that like hey this is something that people value in knowing uh and so is there just more clarity that we can provide people um in saying where things are coming from so there's all kinds of things and I, you can get super deep and super legalistic about some of these things but you know more or less the the reason you have all this stuff in place is so that you're not Saying that something is made in one country, but in fact, it's not. So um, that's usually not the circumstance that we end up in in a fountain pen world. It's more just a matter of, you know, it gets complicated in determining that. And frankly, pens are such a small industry that it's often not something that You know, probably most companies are that worried about um, actually clarifying unless, you know, we as consumers, um, you know, want them to do so. And so it's something I'm curious to get some feedback on how much everybody actually values these things or is it nice to have or matters with some or pens over a certain price or if it's like a $20 pen, do you even care? And I'm just kind of curious. So, um, you know, I dove in enough to know that like, oh, boy, okay, this is... (laughs) this is something i could really get quickly out of my depth but that's what i was able to kind of just read and understand a little bit i know it gets complicated real quick and i'm not a manufacturer but um i did find it to be you know pretty interesting and there's believe me there's like a bulleted breakdown of all these different industries and there's all these different exceptions for other weird things like custom artwork and all these others oh, other things so it's a deep rabbit hole i can tell and i'm cutting myself off well Next done. One. There, <laughs> Next are, there are
1: Yeah, we we definitely we've also heard of pens where like all of it's made in one country, but like the clip isn't. So it could be as much yeah. as that. So there really is. It is a very very hard to define.
0: Yeah, thing. like wh- there's no there's no clear rule about like what percentage of it has to be made or what is substantial transformation. It gets it gets it gets, yeah. it gets cloudy. Anyway,
1: and, I, and we do not feel educated enough to be the ones to make that distinction. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it is, you know, we do know manufacturers, so we can ask them, you yeah, know, how can, much they've studied in. up this, this kind of thing. Yeah,
1: we, can do it. we might need to, you know, revisit this rabbit hole one day.
0: Yeah, I would love to. I would love I'll bring a pillow. All right, sounds good. All right. Um, All right.
1: I got uh, the next, next question. Next, next question.
0: Yep, this is from Evie Kirk on Instagram. Why are stub nibs mostly 1.1, well, said centimeters, but pretty sure you mean millimeters. It's millimeters, yeah. Uh, why such a specific width of 1.1?
1: Well, a long time ago, Evie, there was an ancient chief of a long-forgotten tribe lost to the annals of history, and he put a curse on the settlers that invaded his village and stole his magical um, uh, llama-shaped rock that um, he used to control the weather, and um, he... uh, basically 1.1 was the uh the measurement of the llama's left ear and that was the the cursed llama ear and since then uh the no it was 1.0 so you can't call anything 1.0 because it's bad luck the ancient chief llama ear
0: uh so is that out of like respect or maybe fear Uh, fear absolutely Absolutely. okay
1: reawaken the curse
0: Oh, definitely wouldn't yeah. want to do that. Mm-hmm. No, so
1: that's why uh, 1.1. Stay away from the 1.0. Uh,
0: so for like the pilot vanishing point that has a 1.0, uh, is that a problem?
1: Uh, bad juju,
0: man. Or like the Pelican script has a 1.0? Mm, you know, just bad. kind of wondering. Don't do it. Kind of wondering if that's a problem. Don't do it. No, <laughs> no, lump. If
1: you, if you want the llama god to come come get you man then I mean you, I, don't, I
0: don't think anybody wants that now No. Let me tell you those things will spit on you. Mm-hmm. They will pee everywhere. <laughs> Llamas can pee, let me tell you. I've seen oh it. God. I've seen it in person. So we uh, we grew up in the we grew up in the city of Richmond Drew. You know Maymont Maymont Park. Uh, Oh Anybody God. familiar with Richmond Maymont Park is pretty, pretty popular. So they have some. Animals, I'm writing that you know? down in the book, Brian. They have some. Are you putting in my quote book?
1: I'm putting it in the book. Llamas so, um, can pee, man.
0: Yeah. Well, they had some llamas there, and I remember standing there in all I was like, I was, I was maybe Joseph Sage. I was like 11 or 12, something like that, and on like a school trip or summer, summer camp trip or something, going to Maymont Park, and there was a llama. I'd never seen a llama before, and I was just watching. I was like, oh, ha ha, that llama's peeing, and it just kept peeing like (laughs) just kept peeing and i was like how is it still peeing like that memory still sticks with me today
1: (laughs) i'm so glad i came up with that bs story because now it's like that that was i was annoying myself with that one but then then it then you you came in and saved you never know
0: you never know where the pen cast is gonna take you but uh, yeah let me let
1: me (laughs) let me just um let me give the viewing public um brian's last brian's last quote here oh no i spilled barbecue on my rubik's cube yes
0: that happened. those those,
1: those magical moments that i just want to hang on to from uh yeah
0: we, we got do a keep, lot of
1: got a lot of good ones
0: we got a lot of good ones rachel has some of the best ones she has many many quotable yeah. quotes
1: but no literally um, I, I think we were about to record a pencast and like you just spilled barbecues like actual we were, barbecue we
0: we're having a meeting, and as often happens, sometimes I, my, day gets, my day gets turned upside down, and I have to kind of work through my lunch. And uh, I had I was the little mini Rubik's cubes that I had for the mosaic, and I was, yeah, kind, of, yeah. I was kind of showing you like, "Hey, look, I did the mosaic," you know. <laughs> and then I had I had a bunch of barbecue, and I just straight up dropped a huge glob of it right on the cubes. But just the fact like, oh no, Not I good. got
1: barbecue on my Rubik's cube.
0: Oh uh, man. Probably the only time you'll ever hear that specific I know, but so. I loved it.
1: Well, no, for real though, <laughs> the the 1.1 distinction, honestly, I've measured like the width of the nibs. I've measured yeah. the width of the stroke. Like
0: there's what, like What actually can, is the 1.1 versus the 1.0? Where is that actually because that's down to a tenth of a millimeter. That's pretty right. darn small. I've,
1: I've measured I've measured like 1.5s that were not 1.5s at all. I've measured 1.1s mm. that were not. I've measured 1.0s that were bigger than what they say. So the distinction, I, I really have no idea, Evie. I wish I did, but it's, I would say it's borderline arbitrary, honestly. I think it's more or less just to give you like a guideline of what approximately it's going to be. Why they settled on 1.1, 1. 1, I have no idea.
0: Well, I know, I know this is, this is a slight deviation, I know, but when you were talking tipped nibs, um, which when you get into stub nibs, they could be tipped, they could be untipped. So this, this may deviate a little bit specific to the stub, but when you get into tip nibs, which is pretty much all, you know, extra fine, fine, medium, blah, 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 blah. Um, there are like very specific sizes of the tipping. So the manufacturers will have like a very specific You know ball size that they do for that and then they weld it onto there Mm -hmm. but like once you get past that point where you have just the raw like ball everything beyond that point can have variability to it because how it's welded you know the the pressure that's used the heat all that kind of stuff how it takes to the metal the impurities in the weld all that stuff can impact what that glob looks like once it gets onto the nib, not to mention the polishing, the grinding, all that stuff once the thing is welded on there. So, you know, that's why you can call something a 1.1, but that doesn't mean that like from the factory, it's exactly 1.1 at a specific spot. It's, but
1: you take most, most um, you know, all, all steel stub nibs are not tipped, so... Like from a factory, like a a Yovo 1.1, for example. That comes right out of the factory as is, and the width of that is more or less consistent.
0: Yeah, but but even still, like the the edges of it are rounded, so like... Right, but
1: like I think Evie is saying, like, why such a specific measurement 1.1, like where did why did that start and why did that keep going was there like
0: a was there like a global convention yeah where like the the G8 of their their like the five families of fountain pen makers got together and said let's standardize on the 1.1 I think Um, that probably
1: somebody did it it was a 1.1 and then everybody else that became the standard and everybody else was just kind of like yeah we'll do that too
0: yeah, I think I think probably honestly what happened cuz fountain pens have been around for a very long time. Sort of like why is the standard international converter the way that it is? Why did that why did that converter why that cartridge become that specific one? Um I think it just slowly over time kind of got adopted. Like I'm sure there's some reason or explanation, but it's probably lost to history and it just wasn't re- recorded or something or it was just so you know, kind of insignificant of an event that nobody really thought about it even when it was happening. So um, I think probably, you know, knowing that there is, that there are finer nibs out there. You know, we've offered custom grinds, you know, for on, on nibs, and we've done we've done stub nibs that are, you know, 0.6 and 0.8 and various things. We've talked to nibmeisters and that kind of stuff. We've done broader ones like Visconti's is a 1.3, Pelican has a 1.5. And you know, we know that the more there's there's basically like a standard deviation kind of bell curve. Around 1.1, like that, tends to be the most popular. That like 1.0 to 1.2 range probably is the most popular, and then anything finer, anything broader in a stub, the demand for that tends to drop off because I think when you're talking going finer, it you see less of a difference between a round-tipped nib and a stub because you're you're basically not getting as much of a difference in variation unless you like grind it more like a a crisp italic instead of a, a cursive or a stub. You know, by the time you've rounded over those edges, you pretty much made it into a ball once you get down to 0.6 or 0.7, you know, millimeters, because that's basically the size of a medium or broad nib. So uh, you go broader than that, and yes, you'll get more line variation but you're kind of getting like wider than you can write and still fit within your typical line width. So then you're you're either having to take up two lines or you're just having to write really big and it's gonna stand out and look really kind of dramatic, which maybe you want for like signatures and stuff, but it becomes more of a specialized kind of nib at that point, I think in general for how most people wanna write, which is, hey, I'd like something that looks a little interesting. I want something where I don't have to change my handwriting too much, but I can still use it on my regular paper and so on that standard deviation tends to fall around 1.1. So I don't think it was anything decided by any manufacturer. I think probably over time, literally a hundred years, there were probably a zillion different nibs made. And as demand for fountain pens kind of evolved through its cycle and pared down and all that kind of stuff, the more obscure, less popular nibs fell away. And the one that has remained as the most popular has been the 1.1. So that's, that's my theory.
1: Yeah. And I'm sticking with the, uh, the llama theory so you know we'll see we'll see time will tell there but you go. um yeah all right cool well josh yates on youtube asks <laughs> asks us Sorry, Brian. josh says since last time we talked about a Goulet brick and mortar store and mm. it's challenges. Okay. And um, Josh says, since you don't have a brick and mortar store, I wish you had simple events for fans and customers like cookouts or meet and greets after the COVID wars. I'm sure people would be willing to buy into a function like that to interact and make friends. I think so, too. I think that's a great idea. And I think that we'd love to do it. Uh, I just don't think that we
0: want to. Yeah, Drew's plan- going to host it. Yeah, going to put it all together. <laughs> no and uh i'd be happy to show up and just have it done
1: yeah no no it's like you know the th- things like that is like and we've talked about that because yes sure. i mean we'd love to like bring people together i mean that's one of the best things about this hobby and this this community it's one of the, it's delightful um and we'd love to facilitate that but any sort of planning into something like that would mean that we're not shipping orders and we're not doing this and we're not doing all the other things that we kind of have to do on a daily basis. None of us have an overabundance of free time. It's certainly not enough to uh, coordinate the logistics that would –
0: yeah, time is definitely for this. time is definitely somewhat of an issue. Space is actually just the logistics is, oh, is yeah. really is really an issue. Um, so we had looked into this even a couple of years ago. We we talked about hosting like an anniversary event when we were um, you know coming up on our ten years, mm-hmm. and we theorized of like what if we rented a place, did like a not a pen show, but like a pen event, you know, that's pretty common for brick and mortar pen stores to do an event at their store. makes a lot of sense. Um, Part of the challenge with us doing that is uh, for number one, we are in like an office, like warehouse location. We're not in a retail frontage store. So like the zoning for the property that we rent and literally it's in our lease that we cannot have publicly held events, or really even public visitors because of parking and liability reasons and these types of things, um, certain access in and out of the building and all that, um, we we actually can't do that on site, which dramatically <laughs> limits the uh, convenience of being able to host something like that. Plus, it's like, if you were going to come to our place, you'd want to see our place, right? But we we honestly really can't do that. Um, and so we would then have to look to like host it Somewhere, Take over a restaurant somewhere or rent out some event or have it at a park or something. And then that's weather dependent and sounds like a nightmare because this week has been like raining like crazy because we're getting hit with all these tropical storms coming up the East Coast. So logistically, it just breaks down real quick from the simple event that you stated, Josh, which it sounds like it should be a lot simpler than it actually ends up being. Um, I think it's a great in theory. I love pen people. I would love to host something like that. I just literally haven't wrapped my head around how we would actually do that and do that in a way that, you know, would achieve what everybody would hope that it would achieve. I mean, we could get together and have some food and meet people, but then it's like, if you want to test pens or try things or see our space or whatever, we kind of can't really do that. Um, so that, eliminates a lot of it plus now we're in covid life and none of that makes sense anyway but so we can theorize about it again and talk about it once covid starts to let up though i don't know when that's going to be at this point because here we are shooting remotely once again just like we were last year but we um,
1: got far enough into the talks and into the planning to realize that nobody in the discussions no member of these meetings was capable of doing what needed
0: to be done, essentially. But like leading, leading point on it, because we don't, we don't put on events. Like event planning is a whole other thing. Like, you just went to the DC show, pen, drew, pen show, drew. It's a whole thing. They plan all year to put that thing on, and I have no idea how many people would come to an event if we were to put one on. So, how big of a venue do we get? Venues cost money you know and food and whatever else that we would do so it's like there's got to be a budget for that kind of thing but how do you budget it when you've never done it and don't have a clue what you're doing so i don't know there's a lot of things i'm not going to say it would never happen certainly much more logistically feasible than like actually opening up a physical store but like it breaks my brain enough to say like i can't really think about that right now but no it is a cool idea and we'll keep talking about it if we could snap
1: our fingers and just have it done then you bet absolutely (laughs) that would be great yeah Um, but that's another reason we actually can't have um, we can't do local pickups if you wanted to kind of pick up an order we're not allowed to do that because of our lease we can't like if you wanted to bring back a return we can't do that either so our hands are tied Um, so the physical space here is kind of off limits
0: it is a limitation absolutely so we'll need to
1: so if you own a um abandoned E. cheese in the metro richmond area give me a call and we'll work something out
0: yeah all right next question we've got is from a uval farky what's your grail pen very simple simple question Mm. we get asked we get asked this all the time drew yeah we do um you know mine's evolved over time especially as i've eventually acquired some grail pens that i've had but um Yours? As soon as you put it on here, I knew that that I makes actually, sense for I actually this has you. been
1: my this has been my grill pen for quite a while. It started off consistent. As, yeah. It start it started off as the Montegrappa Chaos pen. Um, I'm a huge Stallone fan. I'm mm-hmm. one of the few people that actually really do like the Expendable movies, one and two, anyway, <laughs> and not
0: not an ironic kind of way. No, you no, those movies were it. very
1: much made with Drew Brown in mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. the third one, eh, but one and two, gold. So that pen I love, but then when Montegrappa came out with the pirate pen, I fell in deeper love with that one. So my grail pen has been and will continue to be Montegrappa's pirate
0: pen. Well, the pirate pen, it has all of the insanity and just over the topness of the chaos pen, but it's pirate themed, which is definitely more up your alley. Yeah, absolutely. what What if they did like a space themed pen? in that I would kind of I have thing.
1: spent I have spent more of my spare time reading about pirates than I have about space
0: okay all right fair enough yeah fair enough um so my grail pen I almost don't even want to say what it is because it's it's not a pen that's made you can't get it and uh I feel like even by saying what it is that anybody who could get it would get it and then i would never have a chance of getting it but i'm probably not going to get i'm probably not going to get it anyway so i'll be honest um so i didn't even know this pen existed until maybe a couple of years ago but apparently namiki which pretty much any namiki is like grail pen territory let's be real um but they made you know the yukari nightline moonlight right yeah you're familiar with that it's just covered moon,
1: moon, moon life night light the Moonlight Nightline, yeah. The, no, Nightlight moon, <laughs> night- moon, moon line
0: <laughs> That's right. Uh, we always get it confused. Um, but apparently, they made a Nightline in the Emperor size. So, oh. having a Namiki Emperor with that all rotten Nightline—that would pretty much do it. I that forgot. I forgot. It.
1: I remember you telling me about this a while ago, but I totally forgot that they did something like this. I've they never seen one.
0: They didn't make many of them. It was super rare. I want to say it was fifteen or twenty years ago. Um, and I'm sure if you even find one probably now- Probably 15 you're, or
1: 20 grand too.
0: You're probably Yeah, you're into the five digits for sure. And uh, look, I'm obsessed with pens. I'm in the pen business. I would have every reason to try to justify a pen, but even I really struggle in that price range. Even if I came across one, it would be very difficult to pull that trigger. So anyway, if you have one or you happen to know anybody who's got one, Awesome. More power to you. I will live vicariously through you. But it's that's my unrealistic, um, you know, grail pen, which I think, you know, that's kind of fun. That's like when you, yeah. like, what super car would I drive if I could? You know, McLaren F1. Uh, so like, yeah, totally. But like, what's my realistic car? Like a 97 Dodge Viper GTS. Okay, cool. <laughs> realistic? Like, yeah, like, not not practical, no, but okay. attainable. You know, I could theoretically get one right like they're they exist like a mclaren f1 (laughs) like forget it they're like two million dollars or something at this point like i can never get one it's totally impractical i couldn't even get insurance for that thing i'm sure but like you know anyway i just i was at my parents and i was like clearing out like some old childhood stuff i was obsessed with the mclaren f1 when i was in middle school yes and uh drew can attest to this i drew pictures of it i wrote every like english paper thing we had to write was like just spewing facts about the mclaren f1 i'm sure my teacher was just like god will this kid shut up about this stupid thing whatever it is anyway yeah so um so that the the emperor nightline would be my mclaren f1 oh, you, 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 you
1: didn't say you didn't finish your thought about the yeah what you uh, what you found
0: i'm getting i'm getting oh i found a drawing that i yeah. did um Oh man, I should have thought to grab it, but maybe I'll i take a picture of it and we can yeah. overlay it. But uh you know it's not, not a terrible drawing if I do no, so. No, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Um I actually can't draw that well anymore. I don't I lost my touch. Um I, anyway, I can't,
1: I've never been able to do anything symmetrical like a car. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So my uh my realistic grail pen would be the OMOS three sixty. I think I've actually even mentioned this many times in the Q&A and stuff over the years that's the triangular pen Mm -hmm. that was one that I had my eye on and as soon as we picked up Omos which is like right at the end of their life I was so wanting to get a 360 for myself but they were kind of on the decline though we didn't realize it at that time and they weren't really making any more and then it just kind of slipped away and then it entered into Omos is going away and you can't get these anymore and the prices went through the roof and the availability and I was just like this is just not you know I don't want it that much, so that would kind of fit. That's my Dodge Viper of, uh, Grail pen. You know, I want it, but not bad enough to like actually like pay for it. But it's cool. So anyway, if, fair enough. If it were given to me, I wouldn't throw it away. Let's put it falls into that territory.
1: Okay, yeah, I don't <laughs> think I would throw any pen away, but. Um... I'd save. I'd sell them all. Maybe they're a pirate. Yeah.
0: I don't think I've ever thrown a pen away. Maybe I've thrown like a preppy or something away that I like sat on and cracked. But I don't know that I've ever really thrown a pen away that's even no. somewhat usable. No. Like, I save not. everything. All that's right. true.
1: I can attest to that. Yeah. Um, so, Cookie Conveyor, which is a great name, because sometimes I just want to be a Cookie, cookie conveyor, conveyor Seven.
0: Cookie Conveyor Seven. There's seven. That's six right. That's others, right. There, are, six there have been there. six
1: previous Cookie Conveyors. Let's, ho- let's hope this one holds out. Anyway, Cookie Conveyor asks, why are s- factory steel stub nibs untipped? This kind of goes back to our previous yeah. conversations. Why not put tipping on them, Brian?
0: Did you do that on purpose, Drew? Did you put two stub questions in here to pair well with each other?
1: Uh, No, I didn't think that we would deviate into the tipped versus untipped thing in that first question, but we did anyway. So,
0: Okay. Maybe I subconsciously brought us there when I looked at the question. There you um, go. Um. Yeah. So um, I think probably it's due mostly to the like economic reasons of it, like cost, you know, cost saving reasons, um, you know, factory stainless steel nibs. If you have like an extra fine or fine nib, there's not as much of the metal that's making contact with the paper. So therefore you know, the friction and stuff, it's going to wear down, you know, kind of on a single point more quickly. So it's it's advantageous to still put tipping on those, even with a steel nib. And by the time you get to a stub nib, you've really kind of spread out the, you know, writing pad, uh, you know, the portion that's actually touching the paper, you've spread it out, you know, uh, multitudes more than you would have on a, a traditional round nib. So I think that, you know, yes, metallurgically, you are still going to have more wear on an untipped stainless steel stub nib than you would on a tipped one. Uh, But I think that the degree that you're gonna have wear occur on a nib like that, um, in order to have it as a tipped nib, it's gonna require so much handwork and therefore labor that would factor into the cost of that nib, it's actually probably more economical just to get a new nib and replace it then it would be to to tip it. You know, gold nib makes sense. Gold is expensive. So the labor to tip it m- makes sense. Um, and you can kind of build that in there. Plus gold wears way faster than steel. You don't want a gold untipped nib. Which um, OMAS used to have. They did. And it had problems. <laughs> so that was the only nib that I can ever remember in modern times that was a gold untipped nib. And we had yeah. questions about that. We were like, why is this the case? And they were like, no, it'll be fine. And then they like went out of business and then we got a bunch of returns and people are like, my nib is now sharp and flat. And then we were like, crap. Okay. (laughs) I remember that very well.
1: (laughs) I was on the front lines of that one.
0: It wasn't a ton of them. We didn't know. I mean, we just weren't experienced at that time. No. We always try to make it right for anybody. And if of course if you if you bought one of those pens years ago from us and you feel wronged in some way, let us know. We'll make it right for you. We can't get you another nib, but you know, we'll figure something out. But uh, anyway, that was the only that was the only pen that I could think of that was an example of a untipped gold nib. But so you don't really want that. Gold's too soft. Um no. you know, and if you think, look
1: at the if you look at the iridium alloy orbs or whatever alloy they use the 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 Mm -hmm. spheres that they actually do kind of tack weld onto the tip of the steel nibs Mm -hmm. or gold nibs for that matter they're always you know small-ish spheres and in order to very small very small yeah in order to get one that would cover the entirety of a you know stub nib that's already shaped you know wide like that you're talking about a sphere probably two or three times the size of what they use for a broad it's a big and, old blob. Yeah, yeah. big old that, blob. That, yeah. that stuff, that stuff um, even if it doesn't contain any iridium, which a lot of them or most of them don't anymore, Not it's still really. a costly alloy.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's usually rhodium. Usually, like it's a hard precious metal, which the cost of any precious metal like that anything in the platinum family is really expensive so when you go up to something like you know kind of what drew said it just it goes to the economy of it you know to to put tipping on a stub nib costs a lot more because especially because it's by the time you weld it on there there's way more or, You know fine detail work there's many steps that are required for grinding a stub nib by hand as opposed to a round nib because a round nib you just have to make sure it's round all the way you know around the thing but a stub nib there's a specific pattern that has to be ground and then rounded and smooth and it's it's, there's just much more time consuming that's why if you ever look at a custom nibmeister and you look at the costs that they have with doing custom grinds you know stub nibs and cursive italics and all that kind of stuff is going to be up there in terms of the more expensive offerings that they have just because of the number of steps and time required so i really think it's just an economy thing yep and they want
1: to keep they want to keep the stub nibs the same cost as all the other ones
0: exactly exactly and i'm kind of glad i'm kind of glad too because yeah me too it's nice to have affordable it's nice to have affordable stub nibs because otherwise i don't know that that many people would ever try them, and I think stub nibs are fantastic. I'm a huge fan of them. It was part of what I fell in love with the most when I first got into fountain pens because I thought it was like calligraphy for people that don't really wanna take the time to learn calligraphy. Yep, my first one was a Lamy (laughs) 1.1. There you go, perfect. All right, Drew. Hypothetical. You have hyped Are this up. Are you ready? Up. You've hyped this up for me, and I'm excited for I'm it. I'm really excited about this one. This one's a
1: fun one, and I hope I haven't already asked you about this one, but I, I, I might have. But it's, it's one of my favorite ones, and uh, okay, I like to think about it often. I I have a hard time uh, landing on one myself. Okay, so three million dollars, Brian. You either get a three million dollar yacht or a three million dollar RV which stands for recreational vehicle okay so the 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 kicker here is that essentially a three million dollar rv is the best rv in existence like if you look it up a three million dollar rv is like the best ever a three million dollar three million dollar yacht is a nice-ish but you can find you know ones you know multitude Tudes larger oh, they, and more They have like
0: $100 million Exactly, yeah. yeah. So,
1: so you know, it's either, you know, a pretty good one on one end or the best of one. So, uh, caveats, because I know you're going to ask. Oh, yeah. You have infinite gas. You do not need to pay for fuel on okay. either one. Okay. Uh, there are no taxes and or fees for owning or okay. storing this vehicle.
0: Oh, because that makes uh, a difference with a boat. For oh, sure. I know.
1: I know. I'm ready for you, boy. Okay. All right. No maintenance required. Okay. and we're and com- uh we're
0: completely surpassing reality here at this point but okay. well i need to we need to get this you level you're trying to level the playing field a little bit yeah, yes we can't be you. talking
1: about this for another 30 minutes um and then also you would instantly be a perfect driver slash operator so you know oh, okay you so like you don't i don't need to worry about that
0: i don't know how to drive a boat but i would right. if you, I you would that. you would and okay. you
1: would need to drive them both you wouldn't have a driver but you would need to uh you'd need to operate them but uh you'd be good at it
0: well see that's the thing you have to have a, a boat captain like because the boat's on the water 24 hours a day so if you're sailing somewhere
1: you can you can you can store it
0: no i mean like when you're traveling like you like with a yacht you can like travel across the atlantic ocean and go to the mediterranean i don't i don't know i looked it up um you just, can do just yeah you can yeah i don't absolutely.
1: know if all i don't know if all of them can do this the, the yacht that i looked up was a 2018 well, used a three
0: million dollar one you better friggin be able i don't to drive th- i that don't th- i don't think so brian this one was called no, no, a, no, no 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 like like i don't okay i don't like hang out with a lot of boat people but like i know of like tangentially people who have boats and do sailing and stuff like that it's not uncommon even if you're just going like up the east coast right for example to sail like overnight like you're trying to get up the coast it might take a week so you like have a crew a small crew or a captain or somebody who helps drive the boat so that you're not literally driving the boat like 24 hours Oh yeah no you would you
1: would not have that
0: Unless you have like a family of people and you just rotate within your family, that's possible.
1: You, you and Rachel could rotate, but th- this is a uh, this is a fifty seven like, foot. You're going to drive
0: a boat? Are you kidding me? I'm just saying. I'm just she saying. Is not going to drive a boat. You She's don't have a crew.
1: You're not getting a crew. You have a fifty seven foot used twenty eighteen offshore yacht. Meaning okay. you're not going to go to the Bahamas t- with this
0: a, thing. A Tesla self driving yacht. No, we're no, talking about- <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> We're driving it if it. I want to, but I could just set it on autopilot and it could just. Yeah, go on so no, you
1: you would need to if you're going up the East Coast, you need to drive for a while, and you need to moor it, and you need to drive okay. for a while, and then you need to well, not moor it, but park it, what, dock it, whatever, whatever. I don't know. Boat Speak.
0: I'm not a all boat right, person. So,
1: all right. So do you want the best of the best RV or a pretty darn good yacht?
0: Um, for me, it's hands down RV. Not even a question i would so take why like, are we talking so much about the yacht details then i'm oh just God. making i'm just making your life hard <laughs> oh i would take like i would take like a fifty thousand dollar like rv over a three million dollar yacht nice okay like i just for me i love well i love being on the land i like having my feet on something solid you know so i'm like i'm not crazy about being way high up in the air i, I fly just fine but i'm not like wild about it not really crazy about being on the water. I like being firmly planted on soil. So that in general, plus the things I like to do, I love the woods. I love the mountains. I love the, just the scenery, the, you know, diversity of life and all that kind of stuff that comes with like forest forested areas. Um, so just in terms of a lifestyle, the places that I would go RVing like national parks type stuff is just much more suited to my liking than, I mean, pretty much if you have a boat, you're on the water and you go to places that are on the water. And it's it's a very, very similar kind of, I mean, yes, if you go to like different countries, different continents, you get different vibes, but it's pretty much like, you know, it's the beach people you know that are running all these little marinas and stuff like that so it's a very similar kind of vibe that you get at all these places but with an rv you can get you can go all over the place you can just get a much more diversity of landscape and all these different things so rv no question
1: all right all right yeah. well i i absolutely agree with you i'm i feel the same way i'm not a i'm not a beach person so um yeah yeah i'm a fan of uh, terra firma
0: yeah though, yep. there are some there are some cool yachts out there though some great youtube videos of yeah well we yachts had being to, built I, and
1: i found a price range that both yachts and exist and rvs existed um so uh, three million seems to be like the wow. y- there doesn't really seem to exist a plus three million dollar rv
0: I'm sure it can happen, but I mean,
1: if you take the very best RV that for 3 million and then you just change out all the hardware to like solid gold sink handles and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. I guess you could go up there, but operationally, I think it kind of caps out at 3 million. But then again, I did research for like two seconds. So don't listen to me.
0: There you go. So if you have a more than $3 million RV, please comment below.
1: Yeah, let me know. And
0: let us know. And uh, you can invite us out, and we'll come and check it out and report yeah, well,
1: back. Just, just to, you know, a fact-finding mission. Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: There you go. All cool. right. Well,
1: there's our hypothetical. Well done, Brian. That was Thank remarkably you, decisive.
0: Thank you. Um, so I know we didn't have a specific Flex segment in here today. And I'm, no. I'm I'm at risk of putting in something here that I didn't even talk to you about nor do I even know if I'm going to have the time or ability to do this, but I'm just going to kind of put it out there, kind of gauge some interest maybe. So I had a kind of a fleeting idea earlier today as I was thinking I was about the pencast. I was like, we're trying to do this a little more weekly, Um, you know, and I was just thinking like, I've got personally, I've just got a lot going on in my life some stuff that I can't really talk about because it's just like personal stuff and things with like extended family and stuff like that. Everything's fine, but, you know, I'm not going to go into the droves of that. It's just taking a disproportionate amount of my time. um, And I'm just having a little harder time. Like, spending time writing with fountain pens a little bit. It it happens, it ebbs and flows with all of us. Um, But I was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to like have some reason, some incentive to, you know, write with some specific pens and, um, you know, kind of report back in the pen cast, especially now that we're doing it more regularly. So my rough idea, and Drew, maybe we can just riff while we have an audience here. Um, But my idea was to have like a pen of the week sort of thing, where basically we like pick a pen and like try to use that pen you know primarily not exclusively or whatever but just try to like make a concerted effort to use that pen you know throughout the week and we say what the pen's going to be for the following week we come back in the pen cast the next week i'm not saying we're going to do like all these exhaustive tests and stuff like that because you know how time consuming that can be but basically just kind of report back and be like you know whether it's a pen that's like yeah platinum preppy i haven't like actually inked up and used one of those in quite some time but like I wonder what I would do with a Platinum Preppy over the next week and just have that as my go-to pen and report back and be like, yeah, I had this pen in my pocket in my hot car and it spilled all over my shorts or or whatever. Or it was actually great and I forgot how much I love this pen. You know, and just kind of gauging it like that. So that was my thought, not really making a firm commitment on that, but really just kind of wanted to put it out there that maybe it would be kind of fun for me personally um, just to have like a, a stated intention of using a given pen Um, and then kind of rotate it out on a weekly basis and and report back. Because what I'm finding is that as my time is less and less, I'm tending to just use the pen that I've been using and keep the same ink in it so I don't have to clean it and all that kind of stuff. And that just gets really boring in a pen cast when I'm like, well, I still have the Lamy 2000 and it's still writing well. You know, I feel like I could do better as a pen personality on here. So I wanted to throw that out to you, Drew, see what you thought about that. I didn't I
1: t- I'm all for it. I think honestly I was a little terrified when you started talking, but uh now I am comfortable yeah. and serene. I I'm trying to like make it as non-committal as
0: possible. Oh the freaking squirrel. That squirrel figured out how to get into our bird feeder. I'll be done. <sighs> we have one of those bird feeders where it's like the weight of the the bar that the bird sits on like closes the door to the the food. Mm-hmm. That squirrel, he's just like perched on that thing. Son of a gun. <laughs> He's finally figured he couldn't for a long time figure out like he how to even get up there. Now he's yeah, see that door is closed now. He had it open for a second, but no nah, he's on there. <laughs> Shut he's, down. He's trying so hard to get in there. Ah uh, yeah, punk, that's what you get. <laughs> These squirrels. Man, they're so they're so determined. Oh uh, now that door is open now. Now that you jumped off it, you big turd. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I've tried oh, okay. to get video footage of the squirrel, and it's it's quite difficult. But anyway, uh, what was no, I talking I think that's about? A, I
1: think that's a great idea. I, do you want to do want to actually do you want to um, do, do the same pen, or do you want me to do a pen, you to do a pen?
0: I literally have told you everything that I thought this through so far Okay, well let's decide let's no, decide right do. now.
1: Hey, do do we both want to write with a preppy for the next week or do you want to write with a preppy and I'll oh, do I, like Oh, I wasn't a,
0: proposing a preppy. I don't know. We could just pick anything. I, I, I mean,
1: you you said preppy, so I
0: mean I said you know. I said one or both of us could do this. I definitely was not trying to coordinate because then I think that that gets challenging. I think it'd be more interesting if we if we each pick a different pen personally cuz okay. I don't know that I don't know that like you and I using the same pen would necessarily add a lot of value, but I don't know. Yeah, probably not, probably not. Maybe we'll just, I figure let's test it out in the least committal, most convenient way first. See if it adds any value to the pen cast. And if people really like it, then we can put a little more effort into it. So I thought I would just kind of kind of drop it in here and say, let's just, you and I each pick a pen. We'll try primarily using that pen. And then we'll just, next week, we'll talk about what we thought about using that pen more.
1: All right, do you want to pick so, a pen now or later?
0: Good question. Let's pick a pen now because I feel okay. like, I'm not going to re- even remember that I committed to this afterwards if I don't do it now.
1: All right, um, hmm. let's see. What they, I
0: what do I have within like grabbing distance?
1: Um, I will say I I acquired a new sailor that I have not written with extensively, and up until now the only sailor I had was a one with a Togi nib, so a very unique writing experience. However, at the DC Pen Show, I acquired a 21 karat um, Pro Gear. That uh, I have not really written with all that much, so I will commit to experiencing this twenty-one carat. Uh, this is an extra fine.
0: Wow! All right, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I'm trying to look at what I've got here. Do you think I should go like something a little nicer, or should I go something a little more economical? Um, try
1: s- sub hmm. three hundred.
0: That definitely will not be difficult to achieve. Okay. Let's see here. Um, I got a Twisby right here. What kind I'll of Twisby? Definitely go Twizy? Definitely The This is a uh, 580 ALR.
1: Hmm. I would love to see you write with something really small for a while.
0: Really small, like a yeah. traveler, like a traveler's brass Ooh, pen. Yeah.
1: Do you do the traveler's brass pen? You, yeah, you, you with your hands, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see what your verdict is because I know you like that pen, but using it for a, a, I've, got a straight, the,
0: uh, I've got the Traveler's Brass Pen, the Factory Green. Yeah,
1: use that one because you've got bigger hands, and I think that, you know, I know you, you're a fan of those pens, but I think I'm, I'm curious about whether or not you can use one extensively for, you know, a week and still have the same favorable opinion or you would be like, no, it's too small.
0: Okay, cartridge only. This is going to be a
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Should I stick to a, has to be a cartridge ink or can I refill a cartridge? Do yeah, you do what you guess, want, man. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I will use the Traveler's factory pen. Factory green. Solid. And you're going to use the Sailor. Yeah. All right. And we'll report back next week. Let y'all know what you think. And if you got any other ideas of pens that you would like to see us use, I, again, we're not committing to what we're actually going to say about the pens. Maybe we'll figure it out. I'm trying not to, you know, to do an actual full pen review with like everything that people want to see takes like 15 hours like it's ridiculous how long it takes to actually produce that content but
1: unless we make it really bad
0: yeah we can make it really quick and not very conclusive and not really represent it well visually or auditorily or what do you call it when you do something in writing
1: olfactorily
0: olfactor olfactory
1: no that that that, that, that's smell never mind that
0: smell (laughs) what do you call it when it's writing uh there's a Uh, word for it i'm sure it's ironic. literarily I, liter, lit, lit, literarily
1: i mean not literally because no, that's that's something know. else
0: i don't know all right well cool we'll try that out it might yes. be if we come back next week and we're like yeah i didn't really write with anything i have nothing really to say then we'll be like well that didn't that. work that didn't work on to something else but we'll see no,
1: i think i think we can keep each other accountable
0: <laughs> fair enough all right. all right what's happening drew what's what happening what is happening, what's happening
1: well believe it or not brian i've been playing some video games surprise surprise oh that's a shocker i know but you know what i'm revisiting an oldie for the super nintendo entertainment system the wonderfully delightful chrono trigger which is a really really good rpg from uh 95 i think um it's like a time travel rpg you can go to like different time periods you can like put something in one time period and you go forward a couple hundred years and it's like different it's you can get different Mm. characters you get like a robot but then you get a cave woman and you get a a frog knight and it's so good it's it's so good and I know it's always been good I've played it through a bunch of times but I'm doing it again I'm almost at the end and I'm loving it the music is amazing i'm gonna send you a youtube video and make you listen to some of that because
0: you do have a good taste for video game music oh my god that's I will like admit.
1: half the reason i play old games these days Fair so enough. that's fun um last pencast i mentioned that i was having hamburger shaped hot dogs or hot dog shaped hamburgers you know i was gonna roll the oh, beef into a yeah that was amazing that was delightful so you Sounded roll it yeah you just roll it into a hot dog shape put it on a bone with some lettuce some tomato chunks it's delightful. Just delightful. So I'm going to do that again. That was a winner.
0: Tomato chunks doesn't sound super appealing, but I get well, what you you're put, saying.
1: You put tomatoes on your burger, right?
0: Um, I have mixed feelings about tomatoes on burgers. I was always kind of a burger purist. Like, that's how Joseph is. He's like, burger, cheese, maybe ketchup. That's it.
1: Oh, you got to have a good...
0: i'm 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 a little picky about that because what i don't like is i don't think i don't like things sliding around while i'm trying to bite it and a burger is like classic like you got the burger with the cheese and then you throw like a slice of lettuce and a tomato on top of that it's like you clearly just don't want to hold that thing in your hand while you try to bite it no you gotta you gotta have the the
1: the, the tomato needs to go just between beef and bun put the lettuce under the beef or somewhere else because otherwise you get slip and slide you don't that's
0: never that's never how you get it when you go to like a restaurant no that's That's, true that's true that stuff's just always piled on top and you're just left looking like a fool trying to bite (laughs) this thing that's sliding all out of your hands and and That's then it's true. like, but you, you get like what? one, you get like one little napkin and you're like, what am I supposed, am I supposed to do this with this? Yeah. Like, I'm clearly, I can't do, I'm committed. Like start to finish with this burger. I, once I take a bite, the thing, I can't put it down because I'll never be able to pick it back up. It's lost all its integrity. I have to like encase it in my hands and just eat the entire thing yeah. in one continuous like motion. <laughs> and then like you know i for, heaven forbid i have to go to the bathroom or like i want to take a sip of something nope. or if you know my kid has something i need to like help them forget it lost cause so sometimes i, I flip
1: my burger upside down because i that the bottom bun is always so pathetic compared mm. to the top bun like why do they make the top bun bigger the bottom one is what needs the support it's a good like, point that that good it, point. Gets, it gets soggy it, it, it's it's that's the platform that's the yeah. that is the 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 pinth right is that what they call it no plinth, plinth. that is the plinth of the burger that's I the i don't
0: know what that word is
1: plinth is, but. is the uh, the column that statues stand on top of
0: huh did a not marble, know that
1: marble plinth i did mean i'm saying that but then i'm gonna get i'll 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 get back to you next quick? week about why it? that's wrong i'm gonna google but
0: plinth and it's gonna be like something offensive rough
1: anyway okay but also brian i got my kids
0: no you're right a heavy base supporting of statue or vase plinth
1: burgerplinth.com
0: congratulations all right you should start a restaurant drew selling burgers made of pancake like batter with like sausage patties or something and call it plinth
1: i'm i'm offended by that i would just sell burgers upside down and call it plinth
0: oh okay yeah that makes sense there we go but All
1: brian right. i got my toy accordion
0: hey look at that
1: that i said that i was going to get in
0: you mean and your 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 cat can a, what is it called can, it's not th-
1: this this is technically an accordion it's not a concertina concertina um, that's what it was yeah this is just a kid's accordion um but it's only got like a few buttons on it so okay it's like it doesn't have keys like an accordion does it's just got these right. plastic buttons but right. i you learned know, you, a th- I learned a thing. You're gonna play this all summer. I learned say. a thing, and I want to see if you can. want to see if you can get it. Okay. All right. It's very creaky.
0: Well, so I, it is a I mean, chil- It is a children's toy. So. it is a children's twenty. We'll let it slide.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll let it slide. All right. You ready? Let's
0: I have see. not heard this yet. This is my raw reaction. I'm gonna see if I can remember <laughs> this.
1: Normally, I have to read it, but okay. I think I can. I think I can remember. All right. Oh no! It's supposed to be the office theme, <laughs> but I, I forgot. Is, I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Oh no! Dang it!
1: I had the whole thing. <laughs> I forgot. Anyway, I can That's do that. the whole thing. I just forgot it. I'm getting nervous.
0: That sounds a little better than I expected, to be honest. Yeah,
1: with you. it's good.
0: Can you play chords? Like, does it play multiple notes at the same time, or is it just one? I mean, yeah. There are, time? there
1: are um, there are there yeah? are letters on here, but I don't really know what they mean. I'm just pretty much memorizing what i can okay um you're just like uh, you're
0: just like feeling you're just like playing what the instrument is speaking to you
1: that's it that's it i'm 100 i'm very very (laughs) yeah 100 percent involved in uh it's speaking to me nice i i swear i can play the whole thing i'm just fumbling it because i'm on the spot in front of thousands of people
0: you are on the spot (laughs) Go back uh, to that first note. It's the same note as the first note you played. I know, I know, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> eh well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep su- making you suffer through that, but <laughs> I promise I can do it. I promise. Wow, well, that's pretty know. uh
0: that's pretty great, Drew. It's so much fun.
1: I'm having a great time with it.
0: Nice. That's yeah, awesome. My,
1: and uh, you know and, and Shannon doesn't hate it, so that that's good news too.
0: Well, if she doesn't yet, I'm sure she will.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> time time will tell. Time will tell.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, that's been that's been me. What are you up to? Uh, I had my own acquisition um, of something that we've been talking about on the pen cast here. This was a bit of an impulse buy, but uh, we were talking about, you know, like which which car that we would want. And I mentioned like the Dodge Charger from Fast and Furious. Yes. Well, any. Diehard Lego fans will know that currently there is a Lego Technic set of Dom's Charger oh, from the Fast goodness. and Furious, the iconic 1970 Charger RT. It was an absolute impulse buy because. I love LEGO Technic. I love LEGO Technic vehicles, specifically. Um, and uh, I wasn't planning to buy this one, but after we talked about it, I talked myself into it. And Joseph's been really digging the LEGO thing. It's good quality time. And so, yeah, it just it happened. And you know, the thing with LEGO sets, like pens, they come out with these kits, and they're around for like a year or two, and then they go away. And then yep. they go up like four times in price. And I have a number of kits where I'm like, dang it, I wish I'd bought that specific. One, I kind of wanted it, and then I said I wouldn't get it, and now I want it, but I'm not going to pay it, so I just don't have it, and that's fine. Look, that's life. But I was like, this one, okay. I just, I kind of sprung for it. So there we go. Got Dom's charger. It's kind of fun. So Joseph, nice. Joseph saw it on the table. I just got it in like a couple of days ago, and he saw it, and he was like, "Are we going to get to build that together?" And I was like, "Yeah, we are." So he's really excited about it. Okay.
1: Um, hey, I found I found my instructions. <laughs> I'm going to try it one more time. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> feel, Redeem feel, yourself. This
1: is I'm very. This is very personal for me
0: all right go for it oh no no close
1: no four four Ugh. this is why i failed drama brian this is why i failed drama practice makes I, progress Drew. I, no i can do it i just choke i choke under pressure i got up you for you just my gotta keep s- doing it you gotta no. choke
0: more choke right. more in front of people eventually <laughs> eventually that'll become oh, normal well too
1: it's so bad i failed drama I because you. i got up for my my monologue that i knew front backwards and sideways i got up in front of people and i said my name and i couldn't get out a single word of my monologue because hmm. i just was terrified and then got a zero <laughs> for my final exam that counted as 50 percent of my final grade so drew brown fails drama
0: Which is funny because you live drama in your everyday life. When it's natural, yeah. But when I'm on the spot, I just can't do anything. That's right. You're like Jenna Maroney who wants to get an Oscar for living life theatrically. I am not like Jenna Maroney.
1: Oh my God. I'm more like
0: Pete Hornberger. Uh, Oh, yes. Who we met in person, by the way, Drew and I together.
1: We got yes. to meet at,
0: uh, Scott Adsit in person. Yes, we did. We saw him at, at the airport. airport and we stopped him and we fanned out and he we, seemed scared. We we
1: didn't stop him. One of us insisted one of us I insisted on down. chasing him down while the other one was like please don't. Let's leave him alone. Let's let him live his life.
0: Drew was like let him live his life and I was like no. He's a celebrity. He God. this is his burden. He uh, must run into <laughs> random fans at the airport. We were nice about it, but yeah, he was yeah, definitely no, he was he definitely was, like, "Who are you?" <laughs> Anyway, at least, we sure just, cool. at
1: least we didn't just scream Hornburger at him.
0: That's right. Could have yeah, been worse. We, we could have. Um, Drew, you'll be very proud of an experience that I had in the last week. So Joseph and I went and got our hair cut together, which you notice my hair is looking much more tame this week than it was last week. Um, so Joseph put together this like playlist, which is basically all video game music from like Sonic the Hedgehog and other things. Which was pretty it's pretty delightful. Yeah, he's like he's uh he's a kid of your own heart. Good um, man. And so I was like, you know, Joseph, if you like this, he had some he had some pretty good like kind of driving like rock type songs on there. It's like true. or Joseph, I was like, Have you ever heard Dragon Force? <laughs> and he was like, What is that? And I was like, Let me play you <laughs> through the fire and flames. <laughs> and so I put that on. It was like seven and a half minutes of just intense just complete rocking out in insanity and then we watched a couple of music videos of them playing live and it was just, it was it was awesome so got to introduce joseph and he was just like eyes like wide the whole time as we were driving to the thing and i was like joseph this is like these are real instruments these guys are actually playing this music and he was like what anyway so that was pretty great got to introduce joseph to some you some know rock. they
1: actually um herman lee their guitarist he is actually heavily inspired by video game music big
0: Oh, big, yeah. fan,
1: big fan of video game tunes
0: they've got a bunch of their songs that are used in video game music that's oh, actually yeah. that's how they blew up really was they were on guitar hero and rock band and that's mm-hmm. how most people got to really know them um so yeah good stuff. Uh, and then the other thing, not as fun, but, you know, kids are getting ready to go back to school, and there's all kinds of fun and interesting debate about what it means to safely bring our children back to school. So as many people are dealing with right now with children in school, there are all kinds of lively and spirited debates about how to go about this, and we have been dealing with that with our particular locale. So that has been just Just a wonderful experience. Very uplifting and a bright spot in our lives in regards to societal interactions and unity. I'm having a hard time believing you
1: right now, Brian.
0: You know, I am just choosing to look at the good in the world. Okay. Um, So yeah, that hasn't been anything that's been heavily on our minds Definitely not
1: stressful at all.
0: No, but our kids will start school in a few weeks here. Um, Virginia tends to start a little bit later than most other places, so it seems. So we will see how all that goes. But anyway, that's definitely taken up a lot of our time, more COVID stuff. And in general, just our company has been dealing with that and, you know, all the things. So we're all kind of in it together and figuring it all out. In fact, that was like the only company update I really had. I didn't have much else to talk about. There we go. We'll kind of just like gloss over that subject this week and then we'll touch on what's on our desk and then we'll bounce
1: all right well what is on my desk i wrote with that new ink that i told you about earlier today the private reserve two minutes till midnight blue that was Mm -hmm. neat um honestly it was nice to write with a you know exclusive limited edition ink that didn't have anything absolutely crazy about it i actually appreciated that it's just a nice dark blue and yeah no no crazy sheen no crazy shimmer it's a nice deep blue that i will put gladly in a fountain pen and not have to worry about any sort of upkeep right now i'm kind of into that so uh i enjoyed yes. it quite a bit Awesome. And it, remi- and it reminds me of my uh or one of my favorite iron maiden songs
0: yes yeah it does remind you of that doesn't it
1: very heavily in fact there is an iron yes. maiden song called two minutes to midnight and I definitely think that's not just
0: Definitely not correlated in any way whatsoever, because that would be a trademark violation. No, no. So Want to be very they, clear. They would not do that.
1: But it is—it is, it is a fun coincidence.
0: It is pretty interesting, isn't it?
1: Indeed. <laughs> and now I'm going to fess up to the viewing public and uh, my good friend Brian Goulet here that I have been breaking my three pen inked up rule. Um, oh, yeah? oh yeah. Yes. Yes. So the inova that i have here i inked up when the private reserve infinity inks came out because i wanted to test them so that's still okay. inked up this uh-huh. is number four and then the oh, sailor so you that,
0: so you've broken it even further i knew you went to four i didn't realize you went beyond well, four th-
1: this this pen that i got at the dc show was already inked so i don't mm. even know what's in here so mm-hmm. technically i have five pens Inked up. My Van Gogh has yes. dry, dried up Sailor yes. 123 in it, or uh, rain fluff, I should say. Let the um, let no, the, no, 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 no. Let it's, the it's, anger it is, a, it is a fleeting <laughs> moment. It is a fleeting lapse mm-hmm. in judgment that will be corrected mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm.
0: But when was the DC Pen show again? When was that? Two two weeks ago? Recently. Two weeks ago.
1: Sorry. Recently.
0: It's two weeks now. You've had five. Pens one inked one
1: weekend ago.
0: Mm, okay, well,
1: that's what we're gonna say.
0: Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. And you've been playing video. You've been doing other things. It's not that you haven't had time to clean out your pens. This has been a conscious choice to continue to leave all five of these pens inked out. De- clarif- what's on your desk? I'm just clarifying. Uh, what's on your desk, Brian? Hmm? <laughs> uh, well, I <laughs> I'm just gonna tease because I've been working on some exclusives and i can't talk about them but they're going to be really exciting and they're coming they're coming along really well so finalized finalized some things and uh that's really all i can say it's going to be a while before i can actually talk about them but i'll be like hey remember a long time ago when i talked about something i couldn't talk about that was this so that's that's kind of it that's, I all, actually, I can I say. that's all i actually i actually don't know do do i know about this uh so you were out for a couple of days so you know about one of them the other one i don't know how much you've maybe caught up on it but mm. you you and i have not specifically conversed about this other thing that okay
1: happened. well i'm right with you folks clueless as to what that guy is talking about there you go and It'll that's be fine that's be fine
0: it, i promise you all right, all right. If you say so and that's what we got for this week everybody so we're going to wrap this up thank you so much for watching please leave us some feedback leave us some comments on youtube or you can shoot us an email at pencast at goulaypens.com. and we're going to close out today with a fun and random fact that bees can fly higher than 29,525 feet above sea level according to national geographic that is higher than mount everest the tallest mountain in the world bees that's like six miles up in the air they're like almost sub, crazy. Bees, little honeybees. crazy. I don't almost know how they- Almost
1: suborbital.
0: Right? Isn't it suborbital like 10 I miles off or something like that? Eight miles, 10 miles, come on space guy, you know.
1: I'm not space you know guy, things. we established this, I'm pirate guy now.
0: Well, you're both in my mind. <laughs> space if pirates. You, if you know oh. more about it than me, then you're that guy. Space pirates, now you're talking. There we go. I feel like that's a thing, is that a thing? Maybe that's a it, thing.
1: It definitely is a thing in any sort yeah. of uh, you know sci-fi movies. There's always, there's always space pirates.
0: Space pirates. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. All right. That's all we got for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on episode number 12. Hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll catch you next time. Right on.